Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host and sports writer for the LSJ, joined by free beat writer Chris Solari and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch. Guys, last week in the intro, I mentioned that you guys are going to spend the next next month in Indianapolis, and there was a little bit of a pushback on that. Uh, how you feeling about that now after uh, what the Spartans kind of accomplished here in the last week to end the season, regular season anyway? Well, I mean, these things are so far apart. I, I mean, going to Indianapolis tomorrow, be back Thursday night. Um, well, you are hopeful. Following Saturday. So. You are overly hopeful, Graham. I, I just think it's a bad matchup in a bad spot for Michigan State. I'm not saying – I'm not rooting against them to win, um, but I also think winning hurts them in the NCAA tournament. It's a weird place they're in. They went from a team that was out – that needed to win games that they nobody thought they could win – to now being better off, I think, losing a game that they can win, if that makes sense. Because right now they're probably a 10 seed. They're probably not in the play-in game, even if they lose to Maryland, who's desperate, who probably is in anyway, but had two bad losses, and it's a bad matchup. But if they win this game, and then they're competitive again against Michigan, who who knows with Eli Brooks, then you're looking at a 9 seed. And then you're on the path where you play. And not that they can't beat it once either. They've just done it twice. I'm just saying you, you don't want to test your luck. You'd rather not be on that track. Michigan State's best path to a NCAA tournament move is losing to Maryland. Um, you know, I, I, I think the other route as well. I mean, you know, there's, there's, I, I don't think it's a great matchup as well. I mean, I, you know, we saw that, uh, what, two, three weeks ago when they lost at Maryland. But, the caveat is they've done pretty well um, in second games, um, with the exception of the Rutgers game and the Iowa game. Purdue, um, then Purdue. Well, the Purdue. I mean, it was they were both close. I mean, it was a ten point loss, so it wasn't. You know, there there were things that were there, and that was a home and away situation. Um, but what I'm talking about is like the Ohio State game, for instance, is one where they played better. Uh, the we're talking in the last few weeks here, the Ohio State game, the Michigan game is the second in those those quick turns that they were able to to make adjustments. And I think that was part of the problem there. I mean, you know, the the last time that they didn't go small was that Purdue loss, the second Purdue loss in West Lafayette. And then it was stumbled into it the, that following Saturday at Indiana when they were down 13 and that all of a sudden you, you, you take off on this magical run here to win five of the last seven. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I, you know, the, the potential for, for building momentum, I mean, you know, I don't, this isn't going to be a game that is a bag. So I don't think there's going to be any question about it. You want to keep this team playing the way it's been playing, um, for the past, 
three weeks, um, you, you want to be able to carry momentum into the NCAAs, um, whether that means uh, beating Maryland or playing them competitively or beating Maryland and then playing Michigan competitively or who knows, you know, works us out. Maybe they make a, maybe they make a deep run in the tournament and they bump themselves even farther up the seed line because we just don't know how this year is going to get seeded out. I mean, that's that's the one thing. I mean, in conventional years, we would easily say, okay, yeah, this is a more than likely a ten seed, um, just getting its way into the tournament. But I'm not sure at this point with how they're going to seed things, and you know, it's you know, but I do think that, and that has that would only come. If they play them, I mean, winning one game is not going to do much, I think, uh, other than maybe bump you, like you said, Graham, into that that nine seed realm. But, uh, you know, you make a deep run in the weekend, um, maybe you play yourself a little bit farther up the, the ladder. But we've seen that over the years, too, that the Big Ten tournament usually doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot towards that seeding chain. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a fascinating tournament week because – from for a lot of teams, I mean, everybody's in a different spot, and this is the way the Big Ten tournament often is. Unlike a low, you know, mid-major, low-major, where everybody's desperate, right? Everybody's got their own thing, and like Michigan State, until they beat Michigan, we thought they were going to need this win potentially over Maryland to get in the tournament, or we thought it would be Rutgers, and actually, until Maryland blew that game against Penn State, and so this was going to be just this all-or-nothing intense moment at twelve thirty on a Thursday. Uh, and instead, it goes to the, the reason it becomes a tough spot, too, is that, you know, I'm not saying Michigan State doesn't want to win. Aaron Henry, is he talked about he's going home. They, they want to they, – of course they want to win this. They want to get on a run. They want to have uh, – but they're, they've also just won a game where they certainly – human nature is to exhale after that, after what they allowed themselves to, 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 to be in the tournament, and they kind of know it. And then Maryland – loses to Northwestern and Penn State in the last week after beating MSU and is in a really rough spot and and, and now doesn't know for sure after those two bad losses. And then and, and I don't know that MSU really wants to play Michigan again. Like the I'm not saying they I'm not saying they, they're they're scared of Michigan, but they just had their win against Michigan. Do you really want to play Michigan and lose on a Friday? I, I'm not saying they're not trying to get there. These are all subconscious things. It reminds me of Cassius Winston did not want to play in that Big Ten tournament after they won, beat Michigan twice two years ago. And Foster Lawyer came along and hit four threes, and they beat Ohio State. And then it was like, dang it, you're in it, and you win the whole thing. So you never know what, what could actually happen. And then you get other teams like Michigan. Their whole thing, this tournament is, I mean, other than the Illinois dynamic with them that's interesting, the, their whole thing is get Eli Brooks healthy because they're not a, a national championship contender without him. So this week is somewhat irrelevant. Illinois, though, fiercely wants to win this. Um, you know, there are teams like Penn State that have interesting tracks that could do something decent. There are teams like Iowa where Joe Wieskamp becomes the whole story. Like, what, are you going to mess around with this tournament at all? And, and so I, I think there are just a lot of fascinating different storylines. And MSU is no longer in the desperate need-to-win mode, which, which changes the week. Well, and I'll tell you, there, the other interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on is, you know, Ohio State, because I think Ohio State's a dark horse to win this, but you see that their their football program today on uh, Tuesday shut down uh, the, just before their spring practices. So, you know, that sometimes when you see cases like that, they spread across the departments. I mean, who knows if that'll be a case? I mean, I'm sure they're going to be probably the most tested team in terms of COVID testing when it's down there just to be safe. 
Um, but you know, that's part of the, the, re- the reality of this is, you know, we could go into Wednesday or Thursday and a team could possibly even test out of it because it, Hey, we're still not out of the pandemic yet. Right. No, I've, I've, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's what I, I'm really hoping doesn't screw up this postseason. Right. When I was watching, you know, uh, uh, Gonzaga last night, um, play a game against, uh, St. Mary's and, you know, they've got this undefeated season, but they've been playing you know, just clobbering in, inferior competition. And you want to see that team get, you know, you, you, you want a final four where, I mean, you want to see Ken Michigan, Ken Illinois, Ken Gonzaga, Ken Baylor, Ken these teams, like I think it could be a fascinating month and you want to get to see that play out. And so I'm worried that you're right. One of these teams is going to get bumped. Um, and, and you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be, yeah, no. And I, I'm actually surprised teams haven't opted out of their conference tournaments. I think that's a, a, um, a nod to the strength and power of these conference offices a little bit. And uh, yeah, but I also think there's the, you know, especially the teams that have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament, um, it's it may be because of the testing they're doing at, at these events might be safer from that standpoint to be in the bubble. That's true. And like Gonzaga is up their testing significantly from the three days a week or whatever they're doing during the year. And, you know, their, their conference tournament ends a little earlier. I think they're done tonight or tomorrow, you know, so they've got some time to, to just bubble wrap everybody. I'm still surprised that the big 10 tournament is allowing, you know, 2,500 fans at women's games and 8,000 fans at the men's games. Um, and, and, and I get that they're not going to let the fans near these people and, you know, the, the players are going to get on buses and go back to hotels. It just seems like you're inviting people from a lot of different places into the city now. And you've, you've come so far <laughs> Like I, I, and the, the whole thing is about the TV deal. I understand there's a little extra money to be made and I get parents a hundred percent. Right. I just, I'm a little stunned. That they would uh, just because the other thing is, it's not even something you can easily trace, right? And and that's the nefarious, the nefarious part of my mind goes to that, like the idea that if you wanted to, the idea that this was a super spreader or something, when all these people are going back to different communities and different health departments and coming from all over the place, um, that's, that's you know what hasn't changed in the last year since they shut everything down, how viruses are spread. That doesn't change. And that's exactly yep. why they did shut down that tournament uh, back and then, partly because they were trying to study it at that point. It was a new virus. They didn't know a lot about the transmission and everything. So uh, I, I will say that, you know, you, you have seen some places have fans and you haven't heard any real significant issues um, involving the fans. Uh, so that's which is impressive in large part because of the indoor aspect of it versus the outdoor aspect of football. Um, and, but I, I knew, and we had talked about this before. I, I had a pretty good suspicion that they would move it to Indianapolis from Chicago one, because the rules in Chicago are still pretty strict and severe um, in terms of limiting how many and how many people can be in certain venues and what, what constitutes too big of a gathering and the other, because Indiana and, and Ohio as well have been just open rain, you know, for the last couple months in terms of youth sports and having all these m- events there. Um, you know, and, and I don't think there's any secret that when you saw Tuesday that the Big Ten announced that they'll, they'll follow local guidelines for the other sports in the Big Ten championships as well. Um, it shouldn't be a shock because they moved the hockey tournament to South Bend because it's open. You know, it's. 
you know, that the, there's a lot of strategic movement of these events that's going on um, based on the ability to try and recoup some of the, the, the financial uh, losses that they've had from gate receipts. Um, it, it, I, I haven't looked to see what they're charging for tickets. I don't know if they put a premium on them, um, but you can guarantee that with such limited capacity, uh, things in a second, if they try and put them on a secondary market, and may, I don't know if they're limiting that either, but, but you know, the cost will be astronomical because, I mean, it's going to be a, an elite ticket to get now, um, you know, with only 8,000 bodies being allowed inside. For a bad seat, it's, it's one of the worst things you can do. Like, I, I don't mean to tell people what they should do for themselves, but so you've got a place that probably seats, like, if you can do the math, they're allowing 8,000 because they've probably got, um, I don't know, probably 40,000 of the arena actually available. So some people are going to be a long way from it. I think you have to buy the entire package from what I've understood. And so like it's an expensive ticket for an event that half the teams don't care about for a bad seat. I'm not telling people how to spend their money. People have been waiting to see their teams in person. If, if you really want to do it, go ahead. Um, but I, I, would, uh, I would question your, your fiscal decisions if this is – uh, if this is where you want to go, go with it, I would be more inclined to, to uh, put a little money on a long shot like Penn State to make make a move at the, the the Big Ten tournament or something like that instead of buying a ticket. Well, well, ticket wise, I think it'll be the NCAA tournament where we see astronomical prices on the secondary yeah. market for sure. Tournament is it's all it's all an indie too, so that's a little different event. Like I, I understand a little more the appeal of that. You can get yourself to the Indianapolis area and you can in one spot, follow your team right now. You may have to stay over the course of a long time. That's a different kind of expense, but it, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, that, that's a little more of an interesting, interesting dynamic. Yeah. That and might- you know, already, you can plan to be there. Like, like, you know, usually we, we deal with this every year, Chris, you know, you don't know, you know, if, if you're going to be covering Michigan state and Spokane, you're booking a flight three days out Sunday night. Right. Yeah. And, and now this year, you know, it's an indie. And so if you're a fan who knows your tournament's going to be there, you don't know where in Indy, but you can get yourself to Indianapolis and you can plan around it. So there, there are some advantages there. Yeah, my uh, brother lives in an Indianapolis suburb, Noblesville for those scoring at home, and he's trying to get tickets to as many NCAA tournament games as possible. I'm sure he's not the only you know, Indianapolis area person trying to do the same. But uh, So I just think there will, be, there will be a pretty decent demand for all that stuff, obviously. Oh, absolutely there will be. And that's, you know, it's the uniqueness of the event. I mean, that's, you know, it's the same thing with collectibles, right? Um, you know, the, the more unique, the, the item, the more unique, the event, the higher price the tickets are going to be, um, you know, the higher, the demand's going to be, uh, for people that want to go see it. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see that, um, especially because I, 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 there aren't, have not been very many major, I mean, you know, when the, the tournament was canceled last year, um, there, there haven't been really a lot of events kind of like this since, um, you know, I think there was the, the, uh, motorcycle rally in Sturgis last summer that, that had some issues. There was, uh, some marches, some protests, uh, what were the odds that he was going to get Sturgis, South Dakota into this, uh, (laughs) well, I mean, we're, we're, we're still waiting for, you know what, but we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that gets in organically. Well, I, I, I mean, think of other what other big events like entertainment events. There's not a lot of entertainment events. A lot of a lot of things that have happened have been you know you drive in movies and drive in concerts and things like that. But you haven't had people and bodies in stands 
uh, often like this. Um, you know, national championship game to a certain extent in football. Um, those are about it. That's about it. And I guess the SEC as well. And, you know, poor Florida and, you know, the, the idea to pack the swamp really didn't turn out too well when their coach gets COVID the day after he says that. But it, this is that's that's but that's going to drive the demand for the NCAA's and you know I am uh, you know it it it's it, it was interesting actually uh, Sunday with Michigan State having fans and it, it it was pretty clear that there were beyond just friends and family there I think I saw Matt McQuaid there I think I, uh, Connor George was there uh, I don't think they have any relatives on the team anymore uh, Joel Ferguson was there and I know he's not even a trustee anymore so. Um, you know, they, they there were more people in the stands for Michigan State's game uh, against Michigan than there were in Ann Arbor on Thursday uh, for the Michigan's win. So you you kind of see uh, a little bit of what uh, having some bodies in the seats can do for these players to elevate them in some ways. Um, you know, it'll be it, it'll be interesting to see if that larger venue uh, minimizes that or if it. If if having eight thousand people there actually enhances it, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be compelling basketball to watch, though. I don't know if you if you look at the Super Bowl, which I think was the probably the biggest sports event in terms of fans that we that we've seen in the past couple months. I mean, uh, that certainly affected things. Of course, Tampa playing in Tampa was also part of that too. But I certainly right. think that might have had had a, had a factor for sure. Let's kind of turn our focus here just to Michigan State in general here, especially in terms of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I think you guys have mostly said how you feel about Michigan State. Graham, it sounds like you think they're going to lose to Maryland on Thursday. I don't know if you feel the same way, Chris, but either you can talk about that or who do you think is going to win the Big Ten tournament or who do you see kind of reaching the the final and, and whatnot? It's a crapshoot. I, I thought Graham had a good point. I mean, the, the one team there that has the most to prove is probably Illinois. Uh, and I'm sure that they're hoping and wanting to get that chance again against Michigan to, to get another win over them and solidify their below the rules claim that they are the big 10 champion, but they would have a championship to actually. So Chris, hold. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this about Illinois though. Like it, it, it's a fascinating situation because it wound up being as, <laughs> as bad as it could get for the big 10 and that Illinois wound up. One game back, like in, in, in a, if you did a baseball, the way they the way they keep baseball standings, Illinois would be ahead, right? But the they went with win percentage, which I think is the best way to do it, and it's as close as it can be. With the only matchup being, uh, the only matchup between them being a lopsided, decisive win in Ann Arbor for Illinois. If I often think of the Big Ten tournament as useless, not useless, I didn't say that in terms of a championship very secondary unless it is a tiebreaker. Like, I, I thought the year that Michigan State played Ohio State in 2012 there after sharing the Big Ten title, those sort of years, it's cool to see those two teams if they get there. If Illinois and Michigan wind up in that championship game and Illinois were to win again, I think their Big Ten tournament championship makes them sort of the quintessential or the essential Big Ten champions. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get that. Michigan will still put a banner up. Illinois would put its tourney banner up. And I think that's what Illinois wants is to have that legitimacy of that uh, that banner there. But they don't have they have gripes and they don't have gripes. I mean, the idea that Michigan definitely didn't play the games right out of the break that other teams did. 
There's no question, including a game that would have been right against Illinois. The worst case scenario, and 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 I, but it, but it makes it it gives this tournament some drama, right? Um, because I think, unfortunately, for this tournament, with Wieskamp being hurt for Iowa, they're less of a threat. Um, I think they're more concerned about the NCAA tournament. Michigan is too, but I think if Michigan gets matched up against Illinois, that they've got to show up. They've, got, you know, what I mean. Like they can't. Oh, absolutely. You can't, you can't get beaten down by Illinois again. And Illinois is going to be the driven team. We've seen the team. You know, the year that Michigan got in the um, had the plane accident and showed up in the practice gear and was just this driven team with great leadership. We've seen the team there that that looks like the team that's on a mission. Illinois, to me, is the team that is on a mission. Um, and and those teams often do well in these events, especially when they're playing the best of of anybody. Yeah, I mean, listen, Michigan had bagged three games, right? Not only did they bag three games, they also lost two of their last three. So, and and they bagged more games than COVID cases they had because they had zero. I mean, it was a forced shutdown from the state. It wasn't even that they had players out. So, you know, that's that's kind of the interesting thing here. I mean, they they basically stretched it. So that's where I think Illinois is coming from here. Is hey, we played through everything. You know, we we did everything that we had to do, and. I mean, look, they finished as strong as anybody in the country. I mean, they've got one loss since January uh, 16th. You know, they, yeah. they they beat Penn State. They went four, seven, 11 and one. I mean, and and that thumping of Michigan there. I mean, you know, you, you take games out of the middle of the season. Um, you don't get a necessarily sometimes a true picture of who a team can be because they didn't hit the slide. Now you see Michigan hitting the slide because, you know, well, you got three more games that should be on your docket that aren't there. Uh, I mean, that was, that's so, but that's, that's all argumentative at this point. I mean, the big 10 all agreed to those rules, right? They all agreed. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do win percentage based on, on COVID issues. And no, they those, agree. They knew them. They they knew the rules. These are the rules. There's just no. You know, did Michigan did Michigan take advantage of the rules by stretching it out a little bit? I don't know. I mean, that's 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 an argument for other people because I do think that there's legitimacy, and we saw it with a lot of teams when they came back after COVID. And Tom Izzo kind of hinted at this in a little way um, in the post game about in the last couple of days, kind of you know subtle jabs about Michigan taking that extra week and ended up costing them three, all three of the uh, games. They, I think they had maybe one makeup that, that that they were able to get in, which happened to be the Michigan State game that they lost. So, I mean, you know, who's to say? I mean, you lost to a 10-loss Michigan State team, 11-loss Michigan State team. I mean, uh, that's who's – they had a mission to play for at that point. Who's to say they wouldn't have lost one of those other games that they didn't play? But, but I do think that that is a big reason, you know, I, I think that – Illinois, and I do. I think Ohio State as well. If the you know, barring any type of COVID issues, I think Ohio State's a team to watch for for similar reasons. Just they want to they want to prove that they're the best in the Big Ten, and uh, you know, it's I, I think that the the league is so deep that there there are those subplots of teams that want to prove how great they are, and teams that want to prove to the committee they belong in, and and teams that are sick of. Big Ten play. I think everybody looked like it at the end. Like these guys were beating each other up for a while. I think Ohio State is a team that's ready for the NCAA tournament. They're the five seed. They're not. I I don't know that um, outside of Illinois, 
I don't know. I'm sure Purdue would like to because Purdue has played really well lately, and they're they're in there as a four. But I, you know, I think, and outside of a team that needs to win to get to the bubble, I, I think Illinois is the team that's determined. A lot of other people are ready to get to next week and want to get there healthy. And um, it, you know, I, I always have mixed feelings about the Big Ten tournament because it, it winds up most years being better than I expect. It wind up being fantastic. It's an unbelievable showcase. Um, you know, I just as an overall event, it's important. Is is um, you know, and I, I guess my, one of my, I have many issues with it. One is they play that game on Sunday right before the, you know, if, if they cared about the tournament beyond the showcase game, if they wanted the tournament to matter, they would move it to Saturday. So you're not you're, so your your championship actually matters to the brackets. Um, if if they wanted to be true to themselves, they would stop on BTN in January, pushing, talking about Big Ten tournament seeding as if, I mean, it, it's like, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it, the championship is in the regular season. There, there's no bones about that. So quit being, you know, Russian state television here. And, <laughs> and I have all sorts of issues with the Big Ten tournament in that sense. But, you know, it still winds up being an awesome event, and I enjoy the heck out of it. And, and and you know, it's um, I think it's going to be still – fun to see this league that was so much better than any other league this year. Uh, the Big 12 had a great year, but this league was an incredible year. I had an incredible year in one spot for, for a few days. All right, I'm going to go through the list here, and you tell me, well, a few teams, you tell me think they're if you think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I think we under, understand that, obviously, Michigan, Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State are all probably in. So not probably are in. So what do you think about Rutgers? Yes or no? Absolutely. In. Are they in? Okay. Yeah. Mar- Maryland. Most likely. Like to me, Maryland would have to, like everything I've seen, they're not, you know, they're in. My question would be if, you know, with the net and all the stuff, if they come out and really were to lay an egg, like if they lose a game by 20 to Michigan State after that week, they're they're probably in a play-in game at that point, you know. But Maryland, until this week, was firmly in, too. I, I mean, th- that's the thing that sort of happened is nobody's on the bubble, really, other than maybe Maryland this week. Yeah. Everybody's either out or yeah. in. Yeah, Indiana definitely played themselves out, and Minnesota played themselves out down the stretch. Um, you know, maybe a month or month and a half ago, you would have said those two teams would be on the back end or maybe on the bubble. Uh, but, but they did themselves no favors, and, you know, it's – they're going to be interesting test cases to watch here and see exactly how dialed in they are with the the likelihood that both will be looking for new coaches come a couple weeks from now. Right. You- and, and, you know, the, the interesting thing about the one team that I am really curious to watch that I don't think is quit based on, especially what we just saw against Maryland. Yep. On yep, the road exactly. Is Penn state. And, you know, there's a team that took a lot of people toe to toe, has some decent wins and has maybe the best path, uh, you know. Of, of, of you know, when I when I look at, um, you know, because they're going to have to play on, on on Wednesday. They they ought to win that game, um, and they eventually would have to beat a team like in Illinois. And I get that, but they're, they're a team just from a capability standpoint. And where they were is when they played Michigan State, you know, a few weeks ago, and Michigan State beat them. They were in the tournament. They were like a thirty-one net ranking, and they they've had a, a tough slide. But they're also the team that – they're the one team in the Big Ten – I mean, uh, Indiana and Minnesota aren't going to go anywhere, so that take them out of it. But uh, they are a team that could 
not win the – I think if they got to the final, if you start looking at their resume, it's it's really not that bad. They would have to uh, beat Nebraska, then Wisconsin, then Iowa. to get. That's just to get to the semifinal. So. Their resume is not that great either. I mean, they, they don't. their marquee win is uh, against Wisconsin. That's true. That's the problem with the Wisconsin is, you know, Wisconsin is, um, Wisconsin is a good, was a good win early. So you think of a team like Maryland beat Wisconsin early. And I keep thinking of that as a great win. And Wisconsin just, you know, fell apart down the stretch. And, and, um, frankly, is an argument for that. Wisconsin had a Notre Dame type season where they get old, but they don't have good enough players and, and the rest of the world catches up to them. The, the, but Penn state played Iowa down to the wire. They played, a lot of teams down to the wire. They played Ohio State down to the wire. Like they're a team that I'm just saying when teams get desperate and other teams aren't. Iowa without Wieskamp thinking, let's get to next week safely. You know these sort of things. Illinois is the team that they probably run into, and and it's it's a fierce. Um, but I'm just saying that that would be the one team if you were to take a long shot, a gambling long shot on this. That's the team that's like 4,500, you know, plus 4,500 or something that's worth throwing 10 bucks on. I think the other thing with Penn State, too, is, I mean, you've got an interim coach situation. So, you know, how, how do guys deal with that, right? Are they checked out? Are they saying, we got to fight for this guy, we really like him, and we want to get him the job? I mean, you know, they, those are always dangerous situations uh, come one and done time. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that works. You know, it's, you know, they could, they, they could be a quick one on Wednesday and, you know, then in total afterthought, or they can win and, you know, maybe make a little disruption. Let's get this on the record here. Give me, each of you, give me your, you kind of already hinted around this, but let's make this special. Give me your long shot and give me your winner. Graham, you first. Winner, winner Illinois, long shot, Penn State. Chris? My uh, winner is Illinois and my quote-unquote long shot is Ohio State. As, a, as the five seed, I like it. Okay. Uh, my winner is Purdue. I'll go off the board here a little bit. And my long shot is Maryland. Does this mean Zach Eady is the new uh, Rocky Lombardi? I, <laughs> I, guess, I guess it can be. Okay. Just checking. And I like the way Purdue kind of finished out the season. And, you know, sometimes it's a big tournament. We see some, some teams kind of surprise a little bit here especially among the top four seeds and like you guys have already said maybe iowa and michigan are are missing a player and something might happen so you guys both went with illinois so i'm like uh purdue might be the team that that squeaks it out here so there's my reasoning for that no one thinks michigan and no one thinks iowa and what are the two things those two teams have in common question marks with injuries that's what yeah it's great like and i was i was gonna pick iowa but i forgot about Wieskamp. as well Maybe they might get tripped up here at some point. So. Well, you have a player of the year candidate in Garza, or the Big Ten player of the year, I should say, national player of the year candidate. I mean, the only loss they've had um, really since in, a, in the past month was that Michigan game. So, I mean, you know, they're still playing well, but but Wieskamp's kind of their Aaron Henry in some ways in that he kind of ties them together uh, on a lot. So, it's, uh, then kind of like Eli Brooks is for Michigan, you know, the mm-hmm. – the glue guy for the for the team so so tough ones to lose and hopefully they can play but you never know at this time you know you, you can see a guy try and come back and try and play through it and not be able to do it and then you say no you know what let's back off him and 
worry about the NCAAs. That's the bigger picture. All right. Well, we've, we've talked very little about Michigan State basketball in this podcast. We've focused more on the tournament, Big Ten tournament. So let's focus on the Spartans a little bit. Uh, I want to pat myself on the back here first for picking the Spartans to beat Michigan on the Sunday game in last week's podcast. So please, everyone listening, cheer for me. Uh, second part, what seed do you guys think the Spartans will get come Sunday? We've thrown out, oh, we think they might get a ninth and win. We think they might get a 10. Right now they're at 11 in most uh, projections. I know Jerry Palm has them in the nine, but I've seen an 11 basically everywhere else. Uh, where do you think they end up at the end of the day, Graham? I, I think they wind up is a uh, about a 10. I, I would guess 10. And it, it, it's, it's, they're a fascinating, I don't want to say case study, because there really isn't, there are not many teams that ever wind up with a with a profile like them. Like as much grief as I give the net rankings, and this year has been a bad year for the net because there's there's so many outliers and it's not all the net's fault. But how often do you get a team that's lost seven times by 14 points or more in conference play, three times by 25 points or more, and has three top five wins? You know what I mean? Like how do you equate that? What what sort of metric is supposed to understand? Because the thing is, they are as bad as you can be and as good as you can be in certain ways in terms of resume, and I think the brand helps them a little bit, but ultimately the lasting, the late memory of these guys is that they have just beaten three behemoths this season, and that's going to get them uh, on the 10 line, and if they get any higher, I'll be honest, it's almost unfair to the one seeds. Like, Michigan State's penance for being so inconsistent ought to be that they cannot climb higher than a 10 without climbing to a seven. It is almost unfair. I mean, and, and, and I, you know, it, it's, it's almost unfair to uh, uh, Baylor or whoever or, or Illinois or whoever has to play them again that they would be their second-round matchup given what we've seen their potential. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking about Baylor and Gonzaga, and I, my initial reaction would be because there isn't that, you know, that Big Ten, you know, uh, just knowledge, institutional knowledge of each other's, you know, just history and uh, the way the teams run and the offensive defense. Right? I, my initial reaction would just be like Baylor would just run wild over Michigan State, but that may, that may actually uh, may not be the case. So we might actually find out if that if that's true, <laughs> true or not here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I you know if we're doing some some back padding, um, I'm going to be the one to say that go back to a couple of weeks of the podcast when everyone <laughs> everyone. Um, else on this podcast said that they were dead there would be no ncaa tournament i said there was a feasible path and four would get them on the bubble and five wins in the last seven would get them in and uh they won five of the last seven so uh yes you're welcome but i you know I, good job chris what does that do what does that thank you um to graham's benefit he did say that if if tom Izzo had one regret it would be uh you know not going small um this was when they were four and nine and before they were down 13 points in Indiana. And all of a sudden that's exactly what happened. Um, so he, it, it's nice to the shout out to our, our uh, listener, Tom Izzo uh, for getting coaching tips from Graham. Um, uh, it's been a long time coming that, that Graham's Graham's advice has finally been heeded. Uh, he will be over there uh, Monday morning with his whistle and uh, bike shorts to help run practice. Uh, but I do think that, um, you know, kind of back to this team, you know, I'd probably say in that 10 or 11 range, I mean, they're not going to be a playing game. So that's, I think one thing that they've done is play themselves out of the playing game. Um, so we don't also know what exactly how they're going to seed this. I mean, that's, 
that's going to be a, a really interesting thing. And I still think that I, I still think Power Five conferences are going to get the benefit of the doubt over some of the mid majors uh, that are trying to fight into the bubble, uh, just simply because the eyeball factor is needed for this tournament. And you know that's you know that's it's a crass way to think about it. But I mean, a lot of decisions have been made monetarily, but. I, I think a 10 seed, I think they could be like Palm set up to a nine seed, um, depending on what happens this week. Um, and then who knows what happens if they make that deep run and they somehow, and I asked Tom Izzo about this and he's didn't even want to touch it. Didn't want to touch it with a hundred foot pole. You know, I asked him if he thought they could go down there and win four games and, and get the auto bid. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's not really on his radar, but it's very possible. Although it's, it, I shouldn't say very possible. It's a, it's a, it's a possibility just like winning five games in the last seven was a possibility. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Um, in fact, the time off because of that condensed schedule at the end probably would be better for them to have get one more win and then take then take some time off to to practice, mend, and and get ready for the NCAA's. But uh, you know, I, I I think nine or ten seed right now seems like where they'll be. I will just kind of differ for different sake here, and I'll I'll say they'll end up being an eleven seed. Um, I, I really like some some of the projections. I think this was Larry's projection too, where they were an eleven seed, and they would they would be in the same pod with three seed West Virginia, and that kind of feels that feels about right. I feel like for the Spartans, if they were to you know win, get the upset in the first game, beat the six seed, and then maybe see West Virginia the ground, that, that feels like a game they could win. But it's also not in a situation where, like Graham was alluding to, where you know, you're punishing a Gonzaga or a Baylor because they have to play a hot Michigan State team in the second round. So I feel like that I feel like the eleven would be what you're saying, Graham, in terms of I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I feel like there are two things that shouldn't happen right now. One, you, you, and, and, and it seems like a lot of consideration, but you can't just judge when you have a team like Michigan State to me, when you have such a weird resume, you, you can't just judge that resume. When you look at the seal, the upside of it, it's not fair to me to, to punish a team that had an incredible year. So the 11 is great because the 11 goes 11-6-3. If they do get in a run, they may lose to that six. It, it's it's also probably not fair to throw them against a, you know, a, a mid-major, I don't think. Um, right I off mean, is it, though? Because, I mean, we're still talking about the team that pre-COVID, pre-anything, lost by 30 at Minnesota and lost on the road at Northwestern. I mean – Right, no, they're, they're, it wasn't like this all happened after they they came back and lost that thirty point game at Rutgers. I mean, there were there were flaws that were exposed very early in the season. I'm not saying there weren't. I'm just saying I don't think you get rewarded. I, you know, you're the you're at you, you fall below a six seed at this point. It's just however the bracket turns out for you. I don't think. Right. It's, I don't what think I'm saying. What I'm saying is it shouldn't be about them. It should be about the teams that earned a great year. If you had a year where you earned a one or two seed you shouldn't have to play a team that beat three number one or two seeds in the second round. That, that to me, is just like, wait a second. What, what, what was the point of earning this? Because if you took the one or two seed that they might have to play Michigan State in the second round, they would rather be a four seed. You know what I mean? Like that, the, the whole point of spending the whole dang season <laughs> trying to get this seed is lost. That's why I'm saying for Michigan State, 11 feels fair because it keeps them out of that trek. It's not – I mean, obviously, I think it would be a decent for Michigan State, too. Who knows? They could easily lose that first game. They could lose to anybody in this field. They could beat most teams in the field. But uh, to me, the, there is something to be said to not putting a team that beat three top two seeds in the last three weeks of the year against one of those teams in the second round 
it, it's unfair to those teams uh, just because Michigan State's overall resume is is so so flaky. Chris and I were talking pre uh, before you got on before you got on the call here, and uh, uh, there are some similarities to the thirty and four team from a couple of years ago, the Bridges, Jaron Jackson one. And obviously, uh, this team did not go thirty and four, so obviously that comparison is part. But we definitely felt like that was a team that could win to could beat anybody and lose to anybody, and we saw that play out in the NCAA tournament where they almost lost to Bucknell in the first round and then did end up losing in the second round to Syracuse as a two-seed. Yeah, they were a two-seed. Gotcha. So, yeah. So I see some similarities in that regard just in terms of they can beat anybody and also lose to anybody. Well, and Michigan State doesn't have a great history uh, of being seated down lower with Izzo. Um, you know, you know, most of the times they've made runs, they've been, you know, a top four seed, except for, I think, the 15-year uh, when they were a seven seed, a mismatched seven seed, um, it, Graham, you talk about those those teams. I mean, that that Virginia team still has nightmares of losing that game in Charlotte that year. You know, the Michigan State seeing Michigan State on the other side of that as a as a seven what, seed. And was know, it, was it, yeah, was it was it Harvard or Delaware? Somebody, I can't even remember which team they played. That it was like, you know, was like it really isn't fair that for the year we had we got Michigan state this early and, and it certainly wasn't fair to Virginia. And, and that's one of the downsides. You do get teams that underperform, but I, I am okay flexing the bracket to, uh, to me, the teams you take care of in the bracket are the one and two seeds. Those are the teams that have earned the right not to play teams that are even for a day, potentially great in the second round. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not right. And um, so I, I'm okay with, Whatever you have to do, you, you move Michigan State to a seven. Like to me, to me, the argument to make Michigan State a seven seed has nothing to do with Michigan State. It's that it's not really fair to seven seeds or two seeds or one. Like make them a seven, just not to punish everybody else. Well, you know what helps. though? Here's the thing: is there's no procedural bumps this year. I, I, there shouldn't be. I mean, there's no geographic concerns anymore when you have everything in one location. So right. what we should see is a true seed. We should see everything truly seeded out, and there shouldn't be any wiggling and maneuvering at this point because you don't have to send anybody anywhere else halfway across the country to a regional. You know, it, it, it should be a true seed field, maybe for the first time since they've gone to 64 to 68, right? Because you don't have to worry about sending Harvard as the 16 seed to Spokane anymore. You know, everything is in Indianapolis, so I, I don't I, – how it like I said, I I think how it falls, it falls, you know, and that's, you know, just go. I think they're doing it just on the S curve, so let it let it play out, right? I mean, you know, but well, the bigger question is all too well they love subplots. The, the bigger question is judging the S S curve. I mean, like, you know, the the, yeah. the the problem with Michigan State is how do you how do you even begin to evaluate them? You know, when when uh, on one hand they have wins that would make them a two seed. And um, they have losses that would make them out of the NIT, and so that it's it's just such a wider variance than than most teams have, and and, and such a different argument, and the metrics don't really uh, hit it all that well. You know, it, it's it's. Mean, I think MSU is must be as hard a team to peg, and you're right. I mean, we're, they're they're going to be a ten or eleven unless something wild happens this week, I would think. But I, I just think that they're probably a. Um, a really difficult team to to put your arms around and say this is what they deserve because 
in different parts of the season, they deserve very different things. And there are very few teams. And I just wrote a column on the MSU women's team, which is going to have perhaps the same seed as the Michigan State men, and yet did got there in a very different way. They they have no notable wins and no embarrassing losses. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like yeah. it's just they just beat the teams they could and lost everybody else, and they wound up at the same point. And that's an easier team to judge, right? They're not as good as these guys. They're better than these guys. They belong here. Uh, the basketball team, the men's basketball team, is is uh, is much much more difficult. All right. Any final thoughts before we sign off for the day? Oh, I can't wait to cover spring football. <laughs> remember, remember uh, three weeks ago when we were starting to to ramp up our spring football <laughs> ideas and we th- plans to get everything covered. I, I've never had a spring football idea in February. I'm going to put that <laughs> out. So I'll just, I'll just be. I'll just I'll just say it. I'm a very cyclical sports fan. I don't believe in spring football. It's not. I, it's going to be an interesting two weeks. Um, you know, we, we're going to spend a lot of time in Indiana. I've already been there twice in the last month uh, to go to I- Purdue and then go, in a blizzard, mind you, to go to Purdue and then uh, to the Indiana game. And now going back to Indianapolis for this week and forever for how long? And then next week for the NCAA's. We're gonna have we're gonna have a, an interesting podcast. Coming up next week after this, Graham, is I think that we'll have a better and clearer picture of of that path that we've kind of been trying to project once they get the bracket and kind of think, okay, well, where the heck are they playing? Where where where's our where's our map of Indy to get to where we need to go? All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at Graham underscore couch, at Chris Solari, at Phil underscore friend, and LSJ Green White. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.